God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. I, my name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So uh, Elon Musk tweeted this out. He said, I was told that not only is the Red Cross facilitating illegal immigration, they are being paid to do so by the federal government. Huh. Specifically, the Department of Homeland Security and the FEMA budget. Man, there's some crap going on in this country, and Trump's going to put an end to it, isn't he? And you know why he's going to be successful? No, that's not the only reason. No, of course it's 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 probably one of the smallest reasons uh, that he would uh, gain some ground. But <laughs> the black population, I mean, fifty cent has endorsed Donald Trump. <laughs> you got to love it. I love that. I actually love 50 Cent. I mean, I love his music. Uh, I think his music is just off the hook. And uh, and I think he's a very talented guy. But, you know, so is Taylor Swift, and she's, you know, she's not that bright, right? And she makes endorsements, and you hope that, Taylor Swift's endorsements don't really make a dent in anything. I mean, what in common does Taylor Swift have with Joe Biden except money, right? Entertainers, endorsements, but it is kind of nice to see that that black people are waking up and getting off the Democrat plantation. You know, the government... uh, injection of heroin uh, called money, right? I mean, that's what it is, right? It's an addiction. And that's the problem with the civil rights legislation from the 60s. When Lyndon B. Johnson said, this legislation is going to be 
something that we were going to be able to own these people for the next 200 years. And he used the N-word. It's terrible. Absolutely horrible. Lyndon B. Johnson was just a horrible man. And people know it now. They didn't know it probably then. Who knows? But it is incredible what Trump is doing. Trump was, you know, we played clips yesterday uh, about Trump talking about winning New York and New Jersey and Virginia. And, you know, I talked to my good buddy, uh, Paul Preston, and he's like, California. And, and when I was in California, I have to say, it was not as left as I thought it was going to be. Now, I wasn't in San Francisco or Oakland or any of those, you know, crap holes. But um, I was in Hollywood. And I got to say, uh, I was surprised at how conservative it seemed to be. I mean, I heard people talking in the elevator trashing Biden. And this was a while ago. I mean, this is, this, you know, this is a, like, I was just shocked to hear it. You know, I was thinking it was going to be all woken stuff. You know, when I was in Paris, I can recall not seeing any woke stuff like rainbow flags or Black Lives Matter flags or anything like that. They were just, you know, you do your thing and I'll do mine. And that's what I love about Vivek. Vivek has been on all of these, um, doing all these interviews, you know, talking about, like listening. He was, he, I was watching him do an interview, not just with The Breakfast Club and Charlemagne the God, who I think is flipping on Biden, but he was on this other program and I don't even know the name of it. And, but it was all black dudes. And what was, what was interesting about it is Vivek is really being embraced by the black community. And they were listening to my favorite spokesperson of all time. One of them, Thomas Sowell. I mean, he's one of my favorites. And he's he's a black American, but he was doing this stuff and he was talking about race and, and it had me thinking about Amy Wax. And then I was just listening to something else uh, from Heather McDonald talking about crime. And uh, the reason why I bring these people up is because I think we're, uh, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be playing some of these footage, some of these audios for you today because they were so inspiring to me, but. Uh, the Amy Wax one was just blew me away. It's from 2005. But the main thing is, is that everything that Trump is doing is, is coming to truth. It's, it's being, uh, you know, people on the left are becoming aware and they're waking up. You talk about the word woke, right? Which is actually the kind of the interesting thing about the Vivek thing is talking about the word woke. And so 
the word woke is about awakening, right? You know, that's what it's all about. And so I'm, I'm actually looking for this clip. The, the reason why I bring all this up is, and we're going to get to the audio clips in, in just a moment, but um, I, uh, I was also inspired by the notion, I brought this up yesterday, talking about the censorship of Rupley, uh, Rupley, uh, Sputnik, and uh, Russian Today, and talking about Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. And the West is just, you know, losing their minds over this. Because not only does Tucker have the biggest audience, and Twitter is outpacing, as we covered yesterday, outpacing all the mainstream media. We're heading into an election where we have free speech for a change. The, the censorship is taking a back seat to free speech. If that is the case, it's game over for the left. Because they have no winning arguments. And that is what's incredible. Like, you just take, I'm going to open up the, I, I was watching this redacted. I didn't get, I, I didn't have time actually to watch it. So I'm just going to give you the opening of this. Um, because they, they, uh, they were talking about, you know, how the, how the left is going crazy over the notion that Vladimir Putin gets to speak to a Western audience. I mean, that is where we are right now in in the world that we live in. Well, Tucker Carlson is in Moscow. Yeah, that's right. Russia. Uh, that's right. He's in Russia. And the corrupt U.S. Po- political class is shaking in its boots over this story. They clearly don't want him to expose their lies about the war in Ukraine or sanctions against Russia or any of the other propaganda that has been spoon-fed to you um, over the past few You've years written a lot about, about Russia. Russia. And we'll have more on that part of the story in a second. But first, yesterday, the U.S. government approved another $60 billion to be sent to Ukraine. Now, this isn't finalized just yet, but come on, it's going to happen. $60 billion to Ukraine and $14 billion to be sent to Israel. Now, the real question is, do we break that out separately? We just send Israel their money like we do every you know few months as a stipend. We break that out of this bill. <laughs> Like well, it's House just like Speaker a- Mike Johnson says he's not going for this. He only wants the Israel piece. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Ukraine, he's a little bit tired of. They never say it's because Ukraine harms civilians, which they did over the weekend. Horrific attack on 28 civilians. But uh, they're, you know, civilians, no, it's just about the budget. They yeah. never make any well and if you actually read the the bill underneath that part that says about the 60 billion for ukraine there's two more lines that say and possibly a money to ukraine for this and if they need it for this so there's some other right. hidden things in there to send even more money to ukraine and yeah. anyone who wants to take on china sorry i'm stepping right. on your piece yeah that's okay um anyway so let's get back to the numbers here so another 14 billion to be sent to israel if they break this out of this right so if mike johnson gets his way it's broken out they'll just send yeah well uh, i didn't mean to play that much of it i was looking for something as that was playing um but you get the idea right uh that uh people it's a big deal that that tucker is talking with vladimir putin it's it's actually a big deal in, in my opinion it is anyway but uh 
Here is the thing that I, w- I was referring to with Vivek and wokeism and Thomas Sowell. So let's take a listen to this. This was this was really pretty cool. Because you grew up in Harlem in the 40s and 50s. Right here. This is Thomas Sowell. I never Sowell. heard a gunshot. Let's see. Um, wait. Say in your preface. Okay, so um, wait, wait, wait. Here's the, here's the cue. Hold on. Moved out of that culture since over the, over the years. That's crazy. Okay, here it is. How black culture? I got like several things going on right now. It's like I'm a one man band. How black co- subculture prevents black from succeeding? Okay, this to me is also something that's being really talked about right now in our culture. Is black people are waking up to the idea that Democrats aren't the solution to their problems, that the Republicans are. And black people are waking up to the beautiful Donald Trump. That's what's happening here. And just watch, okay? Listen to this. Well, let me read what you say. So this is Thomas Sowell from Um, a while ago. You say, let me state here. And now that these essays do... that these essays do not mean, one, all Southern whites were or are rednecks, two, all black Americans today or in the past were or are black rednecks. One cannot predict, you write, much less forestall all the clever misinterpretations that others might (laughs) put on one's words. The most that can be done is to alert honest people to the problem. Black rednecks, who are they? These would be blacks who came out of the Southern culture and who who carried that culture with them north into the, into the urban ghettos and into the ghettos of the South, for that matter, uh, and who have not moved out of that culture since. Over the, over the years, both blacks and whites have moved away from that culture. But in the poorest and worst of the ghetto areas, there are lots of people who have not. And these kinds of, it's a, it's a culture which, which didn't do whites any good, and it's certainly not doing blacks any good today. And the tragedy is that people regard this culture as somehow the authentic black culture, and therefore you're not to interfere with it. I'm proud to be a bartender. Remember Ocasio-Cortez? Ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't feel no Hillary way Clinton? tired. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that, was, that was very painful to hear. That was crazy. Where I started from. Black English is considered not quite proper English. On the other hand, if blacks happen to have all the power and uh, own all the corporations and whites were working for them, it would be the other way around. That was crazy. There was a period I'm trying to remember now. I believe it was in the mid-70s. All right. Due to so, the discipline of it. This is okay. where, this, so this is where it gets interesting because Vivek is going to say something that I never really heard before, and I want to share it with you because I think you're going to feel the same way. And then we're going to talk about it. All right? All right. So, in today's society, like, our culture, it is looked at as, like, a, it's bad, pretty much. So, when we, like, do the videos that we're doing, and, like, it's just crazy stuff, like the Vegas yeah. situation. And, and these are three young black men and Vivek, all sitting in different chairs, and just, you know, talking, right? And so, that's what's going on here. And... Uh, so, what? What? I want you to hear what Vivek is going to say. That happened. Yep. The fifteen kids that end up jumping that white kid were looked at as like 
a wild culture pretty much like yeah. where other people don't want to be around our culture mm-hmm. so i'm trying to figure out like how could we fix that in america like, yeah well, what do you think man ah man we we came up with so many conclusions because it's like okay in, in was it philadelphia these riots are happening these yep. kids are running in stores and stuff like that and i don't know how to fix it like i'm like i think that we could it, it seems like okay the democrats would be like okay let's let's fund you know their parents so that maybe they can have money and stuff like that i think it's truly is the money but sometimes i think it's not the money yeah, you know cuz well the 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 whole concept of black crime and being letting black people get away with the crime is about reparations right so this kid this kid i kid he's a young man uh this guy is is uh he doesn't know there's two things going on the black black culture is saying man what the democrats are putting you know allowing to happen is bad for black people just like civil rights was bad for black people just like affirmative action or dei is bad for black people because vivek is about to say something really profound that when he hired a black uh, leader in his organization the black leader order got it from meritocracy but despite that other people will look at it as a dei hire okay that is critical because no longer are we able to look at black people in a leadership role like Claudine Gay from Harvard, right, the president, and say, you earned it. You got that job because you were the best. No. Now the Democrats want us to look at black people as you got that job because, you know, because you're black. And that is such a travesty. That is horrible. And it's killing America. It's part of the culture. It is killing us. And we have to fix it. There there is no place for DEI in our country. I think it's horrible for black people. I think it's horrible for minorities in general. Diversity, equity, inclusion is a dumb idea. And it has so many unintended consequences, so many negative ramifications. And you're about to hear it on full display right here. And I can't wait to share it with you. So, like, what can we do? Is it is it crime? Like, can I we put them in jail? Said, like, last time we interviewed him, he said it starts in the home. Yeah, I got yes, two things for you. Yep. I think that's the biggest thing i think family and education it is that's the by the way family and education if i had three words to say family education and gratitude those are the three words you want to live by but family and education that's what made the jewish population super successful they hardly ever got divorced they stuck with it through thick and thin. They never really got tattoos and things like that. And they prided themselves on education. And they became a super class. 
right? I mean, that's what it is. Family and education. Boom. The answer. So, you know, I think that if take take the black, white, Asian filter off. Mm-hmm. Just take all of the filters off, okay? Let's see. Family and education, right? So, like, what can we do? Is it, is it right here. crime? Take like, can we put them in jail? Said, I, last time we interviewed him, he said it starts in the home. Yeah, I got two things for you. Yep. I think that's the biggest thing. I think family and education. It is. That's the answer. So, you know, I think that if take, take the black, white, Asian filter off. Mm-hmm. Just take all of the filters off, okay? Forget what color you are. If you grow up in a fatherless household, mm-hmm. or a single-parent household period, but it's almost always fatherless one, you are eight times more likely to end up in jail, even more likely to end up in poverty, less likely to graduate from high school with a degree, etc. Well, now then you put your, if you want to put the racial filters back on, that actually explains a big part of the difference in racial disparities. Because I think in black households, and the numbers vary on this, but it could be around like 40%, 40 42%. Yes. In Asian households, you're talking about in the single digits. Wow. So it's not that there's some other explanation. I mean, this, this explanation accounts for it. Now, that's, a lot of that's the government's fault. People say, are you blaming black people for that? No. I'm actually blaming policies that were supposedly created to help black people under Lyndon Johnson in the 1960s, the so-called Great Society, that started paying people and giving financial incentives to grow up in single-parent households. And the sad truth is, actually, the black, and actually of all races for that matter, single-parent household rates was far lower in the 1950s than it is today. Now, does that mean just because you grow up in a single-parent household that you're you're destined for failure? Of course not. No. But that doesn't mean that that should be the model that we pay for and wish for for everybody either. And the other thing is education, where it's easy to say math is racist, right? If, if, you know, whatever, certain races are not doing as well as other races in math. Well, look at why. The inner city public schools where a disproportionate number of black people live in the cities as opposed to suburbs compared to other races are doing a much poorer job of educating students. They're the ones that shut down. So I went to actually use my own home city as an example. So I went to public schools through eighth grade. I went to a school called St. X High School in Cincinnati for high school. The Cincinnati public schools, like in the inner city of Cincinnati, they were closed for a full year and then wow. some. Wow. The high school that I went to was closed for four days during COVID. Wow. So it's interesting wow. how COVID only affects the... Public school teachers, yeah, <laughs> but not private school teachers. They don't get sick in private. Yeah, school. apparently, yeah, apparently, COVID it's it's a great form it of chooses. immunity. Yeah, you get you have uh, you have you have you know you know you have natural immunity if you yeah. go to private school. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that the answer begins. I don't think it's a money question until you've solved the other underlying structural failures of. I think the nuclear family is inherently good. That doesn't mean that every kid gets to grow up in it and whatever, but all else equal, it's a good baseline for a society to assume that having two parents in the house with a stable household upbringing, which is a great privilege and head start that I had. I mean, there's no bigger head start that I could have had than that. And then education where no matter where you live, no matter what your zip code, you get to send your kids to the best possible school. Mm-hmm. That's the civil rights issue of our time, actually. And so that, that I think, is, you know, I think that, I think, is yeah. the answer, not blaming, and I, and, you know, some cultural failure or, yeah. or some racism or anything else. Some people say blame black culture. Some people blame racism. None of that. Family, 
and education. I like that. That's the answer. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very, very logical. Yeah. And then, okay, last, last, very last question. Yeah. Sorry. So, whenever the first time we saw you was the Don Lemon video, right? And he tried to use his final, like, Hail Mary against you when you were cooking him was, you're not black, so how can you talk about this? I personally think that that is one of the biggest problems in the black culture is the fact that you have to be black to speak on an issue like that. And then we Best sit there facts. and act so fake offended about something yeah. whenever you're saying facts. And he's definitely not heard about what you're saying. Definitely. So that's what I think about that. I mean, it reminds me of person. like Nikki Haley. We were just talking about Nikki Haley where she's saying because I'm criticizing a woman that somehow exactly. that means that I'm thing. sexist. It's yeah. the same thing. And I just reject that. We're all yeah. human beings. Yeah. We're allowed to disagree on some things. We yeah. don't have to agree on everything. But I'm not, I mean, actually, the public school system I went to is majority black or close to it. People don't, people don't know that. But turns out a lot of black people disagree with each other on things. A lot of Indian people disagree with each <laughs> yeah. other on things. Yeah. And a lot of white people disagree with each other yes. on things. And so when we reduce ourselves to the genetic attributes, either gender or race or sexuality or whatever... Then we're more likely to see each other exactly. in that way. You're not treating each other equally because if I would argue with him, then I would argue with you just because you're race or your sex or your color. Then I'm yeah. treating you differently. Exactly, that. and that's that's what the whole civil rights movement was about: was to make sure that we don't see each other on the color of our skin, but on the content of our character. Wow! And yeah. so that's what I want to bring back, and you know, it makes me you know, it, it does hurt sometimes where you'll be labeled, you know, are you. Racist tropes we, or whatever we get for saying things this. and name things. You know, too. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, you know yeah. you gotta gotta find your way past that. And right. you know I'm, I'm glad we're able to have this kind of conversation with you guys too. Definitely. Yeah, man. Thank so. you so much. Well, yeah, thank, thank you for it, your time man. today. Every I appreciate time. it, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate person, it, guys. Man. This thank you. Was awesome. This is awesome. Sir, thank you for coming out here, guys. Oh, All right. Well, let me read what you. So you know the one part we didn't. I don't know. I don't remember we heard it, but. Uh, the one part I remember hearing, and maybe he said it and I didn't catch it, but Vivek said he hired a, a black executive, and he's like, he hired the black executive not based on skin color. He hired the black executive based on merit. Meritocracy is what he went into. And and that that was a real profound thing for me because DEI is 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 causing people to look at color and in a way that is so unhealthy and uh i I just wish it would stop you know because um it's i think it's disrespectful to black people to say you need to um you know we need to you know we need to accommodate your deficits um i i don't think people are born unequal i mean i we're unequal socioeconomically yeah right that's that's always going to happen in no matter what society you're going to be in there's going to be people with more power and people with less power you're never going to have what kamala harris loves which is equity you're never going to have that utopia of equity where everybody is exactly the same and if that were the case, then why in the world do we have sports? We have sports because we like the struggle to win. We have sports because winning and losing is a thing. I mean, everybody's going to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, not everybody, actually, because a lot of people are still offended by the NFL. I get that. But a lot of people are going to watch the Super Bowl to see who wins. 
or who loses. But, I mean, that's the whole beauty of the Olympics. If we have this one world order globalist agenda equity, I guess we just skip the Olympics. And everybody's just an automate, automated robot that is no better or no wor- worse. What do we need education for? There's always going to be people that are more beautiful, that are thinner, that are fatter, that are this and that and the other, right? It's never, ever going to be the same. You know, there's going to be people that wish they had red hair or blonde hair, black hair, whatever. You always want the grass is greener on the other side, right? Always, all those things, the hodgepodge of all those different little concepts and thoughts in life. And we're always going to want something we don't have. There's never, equity is never going to be a thing, ever. And we have to get used to it. There are going to be people that are just born better and people that are born with things that that are going to give them, you know, but everybody is unique. And that's the beauty of life. The government has no place in your life. And neither do the oligarchs and neither do the corporations. So, you know, globalism is all about corporate greed and universal control of world populations without a governing body or a constitution or a law. It's lawless. That's the sad truth. It's lawless. And it's scary. It it really is also that. I want you to hear uh, Heather McDonald in this uh, clip here. All right, here we go. Enforcement. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're not enforcing the law. By the way, this is Larry Arn. He's the president of Hillsdale College, speaking with Heather McDonald. No. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, What is the effect of not doing that? And then I'll ask you, why are we not doing that? We've unleashed anarchy upon our cities. We are subjecting business owners to predation. We have given up on the basic obligation of civilization, which is to protect property. I actually think that the widespread looting that is going on in many, many American cities of on a daily basis. Statistically, it is known in New York City. Every single day, there will be hundreds of business owners who are stolen from. And yet, our mayor, Eric Adams, concerns himself with other things. As far as I'm concerned, when you know that as a statistical truth, that you are not protecting those business owners' expectations of security in their property you have no right to exist as a government, that that is even more shocking than the violence. It's strange to say, because obviously, if you're the victim of a violent crime, uh, that is life-changing and is also a deprivation of some of your basic rights. But the ongoing assault and insecurity of property 
is really a, unbelievably corrosive. And this is an absolutely predictable result of the fact that we have decided that to enforce the law in a, or it, it's not that we decided it is true. It is a truth that if we enforce the law in a neutral colorblind fashion, we will have a disparate impact on black criminals. Not because the law and the criminal justice system is racist, not because the police are racist or were white supremacist, but because the crime rates are so much higher in the black community. And anybody who's looking around today and saying, what the heck is going on with these progressive prosecutors? It's Alvin Bragg in New York or George Gascon in Los Angeles or Kim Fox in in Chicago, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. Why aren't they, why have they decided to put off entire categories of crime are essentially decriminalized? So they're not going to enforce trespass or theft or fair beating, resisting arrest. If you don't understand race, you don't understand what's going on. It's all about race. If there were no racial disparities in criminal offending, our attitude would basically be, Lock them up and throw away the key. Nobody would be talking about mass incarceration. Mass incarceration is a euphemism for the fact that there are racial disparities. Let me give you, again, facts that are not allowed in the public sphere, Dr. Arn, because the only allowable explanation for any racial disparity, here's the rule, is racism. You're not allowed to talk about behavior. You're not allowed to talk about skills. When it comes to behavior, in the post-George Floyd race riot era, Black juveniles are shot at 100 times the rate of white juveniles. Blacks between the ages of 10 and 24 die of gun homicide at 24 times the rate of whites in that same age cohort. (laughs) Who's killing them and who's shooting them? Not the police, not whites, but other blacks. There is carnage going on on an unbelievable basis daily in inner cities. And the world and the press turns its eyes away because it's terrified that it doesn't know how to close those crime gaps. You had a great article, more than one, but you had a great article not so long ago about uh, death rates by cops in Mm -hmm. Primus, our publication, which everybody can get if they want it. Uh, Can you remember those numbers? How many people do cops kill in a year in America? Well, cops kill, it's been remarkably stable ever since the Washington Post started keeping track in 2015, which to me suggests that this is not some arbitrary number. It reflects the degree to which cops interact with violent armed and resisting suspects, because that's what predicts cop use of lethal force. If you don't want to get killed by a cop, here's a simple thing. Do not resist arrest. So every year the cops shoot fatally about a thousand people. A little over half of those are white, so about 52, 53, 55% are white, and about 25 to 27% are black. So the Black Lives Matter activists, Al Sharpton and the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, they get their hands on that 25% number and they say, aha, racist criminal justice system because blacks are 13% of the nation's population, so they're being shot at about twice the rate. That's the wrong benchmark. The question is, what is the black crime rate? And if you look at the 75 largest counties in the United States, which is where most of the population resides, blacks commit about 66% 
of all violent crime, though they're 15% of the population in those counties. So that means that here in New York City, for example, blacks are 22% of the population. They commit about 75% of all drive-by shootings. Whites are 34%. They commit 1% to 2% of all drive-by shootings. Add Hispanic shootings to black shootings, you account for about 100% of all shootings in New York City. This has enormous consequences for policing. It means that virtually every time the police are called to a shots fired call, meaning somebody's been shot in one of these grotesque, barbaric drive-by shootings that have taken dozens of black children's lives since George Floyd, they are almost always being called to a scene, being given the description of a black suspect if anybody is is cooperating with them for once, and the victims are themselves black. That explains why blacks are shot more at a higher rate. Here's the other comparison, though. A police officer is 400 times as likely to be killed by a black person as an unarmed black is to be killed by a police officer. (laughs) So libertarians like Radley Balco always go around saying, oh, policing is so safe. You know, it's just bathos. It's just this sickly, treacly, uh, you know, uh, sentimentality that says policing is racist, that doing a car felony car stop is really a safe activity. If it's safe to be a police officer in America, it's really safe to be an unarmed black vis-a-vis a police officer. <laughs> so everything the public thinks it knows about policing, crime, and race from the mainstream media is a lie. Reverse it, and you have the truth. Wow. Wow, that was powerful. Uh, yeah, that, I, I just love that, um, that piece. Uh, Heather McDonald, we've had her on the show, actually, Uh I'm a huge fan of her and the Manhattan Institute, uh, where she comes from. Uh, that's where she's speaking from. And she was speaking to the president, Larry, uh, Arn, Dr. Arn, uh, from the Hillsdale college. He's the president of Hillsdale. And, uh, uh, I'm also a big fan of the Hoover Institute. That's where Thomas Sowell and Victor Davis Hanson come from. Um, but the Hoover Institute is part of Stanford, believe it or not. And, uh, so those are the two groups that I really, really admire and uh, ha- hold in high esteem. It's interesting. All over the world, people are coming to the realization that they can live without politicians, bureaucrats, and unelected globalists. But they absolutely cannot live, you guessed it, without farmers. If the farmers perish, we all perish. And all throughout Europe right now, the farmers are shutting down cities with their tractors and trailers, stopping commerce by blocking roads to try to save themselves from the woke madness and the globalist agenda called climate change, infected by ESG, environmental social governance. And it's this type of thing that this taxation, and the taxation is going to be mandatory through, you guessed it, central bank digital currencies. You'll have no choice. They will have your money. 
They the the authority over your life will actually be in control of your money. <laughs> you can't even leave the country. I mean, come on. Say you're being oppressed, right? Say you have Castro as your leader and you're living in Cuba and you want to flee the country, but you need some money to do it. And you go and you pull out your credit card and you buy a flight out of here. You just want to leave. And you give them your credit card to buy a flight and they say, nope, your credit card will not work because you're trying to leave the country. I mean, think about it. You're a prisoner of a person you never agreed with. Think about that. And wake up. All right. So we got a lot of things we want to cover today. Um, So breaking, it says here, Trump calls for Biden to debate him immediately. (laughs) He says he can't do it because he can't talk. Trump said of Biden. So Biden really messed up. Um, it was it was pathetic. Biden was talking about um, the France leader uh, right here. Let's see. So it says here. Wait, I'm going to play that in a second. President Joe Biden confused French President Emmanuel Macron with France's long dead former leader, <laughs> Francois Mitterrand. Mitterrand died in 1996. <laughs> You know how many times President, I mean, uh, uh, Biden, um, I didn't mean to call him a president. I really didn't. Um, Biden um, said he he was senator. Uh, Hi, my name's, uh, I'm running for the U.S. Senate. You remember how he, he said that? This guy did not get 81 million votes. That's what I'm trying to tell you, really. That's, there's election fraud in America. Election fraud is real. That's what I'm saying. People have pled guilty. You know, I, right, right, right after I was elected, I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, it was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, By the way, uh, I'm going to play it again, okay? I'm going to play it again. But Biden has one eye closed. He's squinting. He's got one eye closed. He's speaking before a group in a public setting at a deos, on a deos. He's got one eye closed. He's struggling to formulate a sentence. This is the leader of the free world. And not only, <laughs> I mean, he's like going through it like, oh, it was in the south of England. He was, you know, I remember where I was. Uh, yeah, I got this. You could see how he's trying to like put this together in his head, right? And then he just goes to Mitterrand when he's talking about Macron, I believe. And then he even refers to Mitterrand as German 
and then France. And then he's starting to puzzle it together. And you could see he's squinting and he's thinking really hard because this man has dementia and he knows it. And everybody in his ecosystem knows it. And I can't believe that they're putting him through it because even, even, even Joe Biden doesn't deserve this. But our country, more importantly, doesn't deserve this. Election fraud is a bad thing. And we need a real leader to run a great country. I was elected. I went to a, what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. I was in, I was in the south of England. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, what, why, how, how long are you back for? And I looked at him and the, and the Chancellor of Germany said, what would you say, Mr. President, if you picked up the paper tomorrow in the London Times, and the London Times said, a thousand people break through the House of Commons, break down the doors, two bobbies are killed in order to stop the election of the Prime Minister. What would you say? I never thought about it from that perspective. What would we say if that happened in another democracy around the world? So I think he's trying to call January 6th, which was a Fed surrection by the FBI, run by the FBI and the, and the Capitol Hill police at the behest of Nancy Pelosi and the mock uh, trial subcommittee that was never really fully sanctioned. They didn't have any Republicans on it except for Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Um, two people that hate Trump, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, just a sham of a thing, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy, right? But this is the only way they can get Trump. Every single time, if you think about every single investigation, you got E. Jean Carroll that doesn't remember what year the offense happened, and she gets $83 million because libtards were on the trial uh, jury. Uh, <laughs> you get... You get the Bob Mueller trial where it's being really run by... I mean, he didn't even know what Fusion GPS was, right? He didn't even know that. He doesn't know what his address is. And, and you know, he didn't do any investigation. And it was... Uh, I, what was the guy's name? Barry Weiss? Something like that. Um, or, or something Weiss. But Andrew Weiss, I, I forget his name. <laughs> I might be thinking about Barry White, right? who I, I thought was super great. But um, no, no, no. But uh, Weissman, I think. Barry Weissman, maybe. Um, but he was the guy running the, the Mueller investigation. And again, Trump didn't get to speak because even though Trump was president, it's a special counsel. Why was that special counsel assembled? Because President Trump fired Comey. And within 24 hours or 48 hours... Boom, special counsel happens to keep Trump away from the good, the goods, to keep Trump from getting his hand in the cookie jar and exposing the truth as president. They did everything they could to block Trump. That's what Watergate was all about. 
Nixon wanted the papers on the Kennedy assassination and the CIA director at the time basically bamboozled Nixon because Nixon was getting too close to the ball. The ball I'm thinking about in my head right now is that soccer ball that passed between Putin and Trump in Helsinki, Finland. That's what I'm thinking about. That Trump knows a lot more than he has spoken about. That there is, and so does Putin, by the way. And that's why they're so apoplectic about Tucker Carlson interviewing Vladimir Putin right now. It all combines. So, Trump wants to debate Biden immediately. He can't do it because he can't talk, Trump said. The commissioner, the Commission on Presidential Debates has announced it will host three presidential debates on September 16th, October 1st, and October 9th, with a VP debate held uh, on September 25th. Let me repeat that so you all get that. You probably didn't know what I was going to say. Frankly, I didn't even know what I was going to say. The Commission on, on President, Pres, Presidential Debates has announced it will host three presidential debates on September 16th, October 1st, and October 9th, with a VP debate held on September 25th. And President Trump responded to that, saying Trump calls for Biden to debate him immediately. He can't do it because he can't talk. Somehow Biden's going to inject himself with some adrenaline and uh, get through it, but uh, it's going to be fun. it's going to be very interesting. That's going to be prime time TV right there. So Senator James Langford doesn't give two cents about the Amer- America and its sovereignty and its open borders. So threw away his career in the Senate for nothing. Mitch McConnell put him in charge of negotiating on behalf of the GOP for a border security bill. Then, when Mitch realized everyone hated it, he told he told all the GOP senators to announce they are against against it. So I'm going to read this one more time. Mitch re- uh, realized everyone hated it. He told all of the GOP senators to announce. They are against it, leaving Langford's reputation in shambles. Everyone on X considers him a traitorous rhino. In reality, so is Mitch McConnell, but he is trying to let Langford take the hit entirely for this one. That's the analysis on that. I agree with that analysis. I didn't write that. Um, I read that from Wall Street Silver, uh, but I think that's good analysis. All right, Freeman Dyson, ex-professor emeritus in the Institute of Advanced Study in Princeton on Thomas Gold's ex-professor of astronomy at Cornell University theory that oil and gas come up from deep within the mantle of the earth and have nothing to do with biology. Chemists 
at the Carnegie Institute in Washington later proved his theory chemi- chemically is correct. His theory is chemically correct. This is called the abiogenic theory of oil and gas formation. So basically, it has really not much to do about climate is what he's saying. Let's take a quick listen to that. A few months ago, I was at Cornell University celebrating the life of Tommy Gold, a famous astronomer who died at a ripe old age. He was famous as a heretic, promoting unpopular ideas that usually turned out to be right. Long ago, I was a guinea pig in Tommy's experiments on human hearing. He had a heretical idea that the human ear discriminates pitch by means of a set of tuned resonators with active electromechanical feedback. The experts in auditory physiology ignored his work because he didn't have a degree in physiology. Many years later, the experts discovered the two kinds of hair cells in the inner ear that actually do the feedback as Tommy had predicted. It took the experts 40 years to admit that he was right. Of course, I knew he was right because I'd seen him do the experiments. Later in his life, he promoted another heretical idea that the oil and natural gas in the ground come up from deep in the mantle of the earth and have nothing to do with biology. Again, the experts are sure he is wrong, and he didn't live long enough to change their minds. But just a few months ago, some chemists at the Carnegie Institution in Washington did a beautiful experiment in a diamond anvil cell. They mixed together tiny quantities of three things that we know exist in the mantle of the earth, and observed them at the pressure and temperature appropriate to the mantle about 200 kilometers down. The three things were calcium carbonate, which is sedimentary rock, iron oxide, which is a component of igneous rock, and water. Those three things are certainly present when a slab of subducted ocean floor descends from a deep ocean trench into the mantle. The experiment shows that they react quickly to produce lots of methane, which is natural gas. So big quantities of natural gas certainly exist in the mantle. The chemist sent an email to Tommy Gold to tell him their result and got back a message that he had died three days earlier. Now that he's dead, we need more heretics to take his place. Yeah, I'm one of those heretics, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, no, that was interesting because uh, I think this whole uh, climate thing is a scam. That was my real main point for playing that. It was a little bit not the greatest way to end the show, but that that that's that's how it, that's how it's going to end, um, because you are listening to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out MagaPack.org. Make a donation to keep Scott Adams Show commercial free. Use Red State as your promo code over at MyPillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye bye, everybody.